Alright, what's up guys? This is Inside the North Side coming to you from the Heights area. So I am your host with the most from the Third Coast, Ulysses. I am here with a special guest, Mr. Evan Camp of Eureka Brewery. What's up guys? This is awesome. So pretty much, um, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you and Eureka Brewery uh, <laughs> replying back to my email and <laughs> was like, agreed to do this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, man. We're uh, stoked to be a part of the show. So, Mr. Evan, tell me what you do here at Eureka Brewery. Oh, yeah, man. That's a, that's a big question. We have a, all of us wear pretty, uh, uh, a lot of hats around here. Um, currently, my title is Party Boy. Uh, or really? Or the events manager here at Eureka Heights. They gave me that name, so I can't find another job after this <laughs> one. Because uh, nobody's going to hire me uh, under title Party Boy. Uh, but uh, it fits perfectly here. I don't plan on going anywhere. Uh, inside that, I do uh, PR, um, community engagement. Uh, I've worked on our canning line through most of the summer and the pandemic because events weren't a thing. And mm-hmm. so there's kind of a, a plethora of things that I do around here. But like I said, most of us all have many different hats. Well, that's that's pretty extensive. Uh, I like that you said that your title is Party Boy. <laughs> I can imagine going to an interview. So uh, what was your title at your last job? Uh, it was, it was party boy. Yeah, exactly that? how I say it. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's pretty cool. So I mean, I would like my job. I'm just a I'm just a driver. But I would love the title of you like party driver or something like that. <laughs> yeah, man. Now I think that can be arranged. Uh, oh, no, okay. I, I would. Uh, I will have to say though, even though I, I feel like at the very beginning, I like my title's gonna ruin me forever. But then at the same time, everybody's like. Nobody has that title. And every time I look at any business card, I never like look at it in depth. But then I see yours is party boy and I get more intrigued. So <laughs> I get a lot of emails uh, more so just because of my title alone. And I'm not going to lie. It translates into sales sometimes and it works. That's out always good, yeah. though. But we, you know. To kind of highlight a little bit more on that, we also don't really take ourselves too seriously outside of the beer. So, you know, we, we definitely take our beer seriously. We put a lot of thought, a lot of effort into it, make sure the public likes it. But everything else around here, we're just kind of jokey, good times. So, hence all of our titles. I mean, our, our graphic design manager, her title is Chief Doodler. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, again... I don't know if she's going to find another job after this, but (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) So, Evan, how long have you been with Eureka Brewery? I've been with Eureka now just over three years. Uh, The company itself has been here for five. So I feel like I've I've been here for a good portion of its uh, upbringing. Uh, the first two years were very uh, small scale. So we were self-distributing, uh, self-marketing, uh, basically doing everything out of the tap room. And now we are the third best-selling craft beer in Houston after five years in the game. So it's pretty pretty big achievement, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the beer that we make here is super approachable, super easy to drink, and kind of timeless. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not a style that's going to lose you know, popularity, a cream mail is a cream mail, IPA is an IPA. As long as you make them good, people are going to keep drinking them. So pretty much you've been here kind of like with the beginning, you can say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, like I said, in its infancy stage, for mm-hmm. sure. Then now I'm in its terrible toddler phase, and it's terrible sometimes, but in a good way. Like, it's just crazy busy. And so uh, the experience I had my first year here was so laxed, you know. Got this really cool vibe, get off work at like three o'clock, have some beers, play some pinball, you know, 
and feel like you accomplished a day. Now I'm here till 10 o'clock some nights doing things <laughs> and uh, always working. And uh, and that's a part of becoming a brewery that's getting bigger over time. We're still very much uh, in-house everything. We do have a distributor, um, but everything else we pretty much do on our own. So it kind of sets us apart from other breweries. It makes us work a lot harder to achieve some of the goals that some of these bigger breweries are accomplishing with much larger staff, much larger infrastructure. And we're just trying to compete and stay relevant here in, in the community community. So have you been at this location since since the beginning, pretty much? Yeah, the the brewery itself has not changed locations uh, since we began. Uh, it has evolved, but it hasn't changed locations. We've built out quite a bit in here since the beginning. I mean, right up into our tap wall, we've started out with six taps. Now we have 18. Um, so, you know, all these things are evolving. And eventually, we'll probably outgrow our space. And we kind of are planning ahead of that, too, and just making sure that we have options in play uh, ready to go whenever we need to expand, including possibly in more to this building across uh, our next door to us, which is uh, contracted by another uh, another food company. So okay. if they you know ever decide they want to leave, I you know I could see us expanding into that space a little bit further, making our brewery a little bit bigger. But you know time will tell. Okay, so you said you started off with six taps, right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So what was the first tap that Eureka? I guess the first beer they ever created. First beer ever created was Buckle Bunny. Oh, which we are drinking right now. Right now. Oh, cheers. It is also <laughs> our flagship beer. Uh, this is our best-selling beer. Right behind that is Mini Boss, which was uh, an early uh, early beer as well. Space Train, Moo Caliente, Mostly Harmless. Uh, all those were kind of our uh, core original beers. And again, like I said, Buckle Bunny and Mini Boss have kind of taken over as our flagship beers. They make up almost 50% of our um total beer sales across all of our our uh, brands well i'm part of that percentage because i do enjoy a good buckle bunny after a long day when it's hot outside and i just like i need a beer i'm like oh you know i'm just gonna get a buckle bunny you must have been reading our marketing because that's exactly how we describe this beer. really <laughs> yeah, no i have not a, been reading <laughs> after a, a long hot day we usually add mowing the lawn in there or something like by the pool and mm-hmm. you can drink about a six pack of these and still feel real nice you know four point four point uh five ab on these suckers so uh, much like a lot of craft beers you see kind of higher ABV and a lot of people go for that but we try to do more uh, crushable stuff here stuff you can uh, you can last a little longer on yeah I mean because I can drink maybe about like a good three or four of these after I'm like okay all right you know I'm, I'm good you mini know boss that will creep up on you you get oh. two of those and you smooth as hell I have not like, tried mini boss yet and I'm kind of now that you said that I'm not sure if I want something <laughs> creeping up on me it's a 7%er man just about under a 7% and it's one of the smoothest IPAs in Houston and that's just me saying that but I'm a I'm a big fan of that beer before I worked here and um, just working in the environment in which that beer is made is kind of a dream for me uh, it's one of my favorites and so I know that beer all too well to know that you know you know it's so easy going down but after two or three of those suckers you're like oh man that's too easy too easy <laughs> uh, but buckle bunny is quite the opposite you can you can kind of crush on those all day and, and be all right um, so definitely in the Houston summer months, we, we kind of go towards this region. We do have a new beer out that is just as low in the ABV, but kind of uh, different twist. It's our new salt and lime coal show, uh, kind of similar to like a Mexican lager, fully dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Un Paquito Mas. And uh, that beer just released about three weeks ago. And I'm telling you something to look forward to for the summer. That beer should be in every refrigerator ready to go. I was actually looking for an HGB. I did not find it. It must have sold out. It 
has. Sure. Uh, we are restocking the market as we speak. Uh, it moved very quickly in its first um, first debut. Uh, good news is, is we have it um, all the time here in the tap room. You can buy it in six packs or on draft. But if you're looking for it in the grocery stores, please be patient. Be there in about a week. So if you want the new flavor, you pretty much have to come here then yeah i mean but it's not a bad thing it's generally um you know you can get it on draft here try it first um if you like it buy a six pack take it home buy a case if you want to we'll sell it by the case um we also have a new uh seltzer that we just released too uh called fizzy pants so that's uh that came out around the same time as un piquito mas mm-hmm. it comes out in a variety pack uh four different flavors peach watermelon grapefruit and uh what's the i always forget the the fourth one it, you know, it, oh, strawberry, strawberry. Uh, so strawberry, peach, grapefruit, and watermelon, uh, all in a 12-pack variety pack. You can get those anywhere uh, in grocery stores around Houston. Um, also super crushable. Um, I want to say they're 5%, about 0.5% over the rest that you would see out there, your Trulies, your White Claws. Um, uh, 100 calories, no carbs, or two grams of carbs, no uh, gluten-free. Um, super, super easy, really refreshing beverages. So if you haven't tried those yet and you're in the seltzer game, come try ours. Uh, we have them on tap. Uh, we also sell them by the cans, and you can get them in the grocery store as well. So you were saying AVB? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so alcohol by volume. Um, so that any any of our cans, you'll see the little circle on the side, and that mm-hmm. basically tells you how, how potent it's going to be. And like your seltzers, for instance, they, they tend to range up until now, range in about the four, four and a half range. Ours are five, but now truly White Claw and a lot of these companies are coming out with seven percenters and eight percenters that are... Uh, Deadly. <laughs> I bet. I, I cannot do a Trulies or uh, I've tried the Topo Chico's. Those were pretty good, yeah, but pretty, I am. Um, tasty, yeah. I kind of felt a certain way after drinking a couple of them. I was like, you know what? I don't, I, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, go back to beer. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So, um, can you give us a little insight on how the processes of making the beer and stuff like that? Sure. Um, so, it's not as quick, I think, as people may think. Uh, and just kind of going down the complete process of how we develop a beer or a new beer. Um, we kind of start with what the beer is, um, what we're going to make in, in light of, um, give you an example here, uh, Neon Moon, for instance. Uh, we had a Belgian single. We're going to release uh, seasonal. Um, we kind of start with the, the name or the style of the beer and see what kind of creative names we can come up around it. And as you know, all of our beers have their own character and identity, uh, if you will. Um, and so we try to figure out the name. We kind of throw a bucket list of names out there. Uh, and then we, as a staff, vote on the name and what we feel like is going to be the most desirable um you know, idea in the market, what's going to catch people's eyes, uh, or be funny and make somebody chuckle or something like that. And, uh, so we came up for the Belgian single. Um, there's a Brooks and Dunn song called neon moon. If you're aware of it or not. Um, yes, I am. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, we went through the process of trademarking because any beer that we put out on the shelves has, we have to own the name. And we were like, what's the odds of getting Neon Moon? Mm-hmm. You know, that's got to be trademarked. Sure enough, no. Now really? we own Neon Moon. Um, and so now that we had the name of the beer, we were like, well, this is easy. The character has to kind of resemble, you know, have that rodeo vibe, country music vibe. It kind of be Brooks and Dunny, but not, you know, enough to be able to get in trouble and mm-hmm. 
what you, you know, I know everybody can't hear right now, but what you see behind you is the iteration of that design up there on my wall. It's a yellow moon with a purple cowboy hat and a mustache, which is the the tie back to Brooks and Dunn there, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, that and lo and behold too, that logo, that name and everything else was probably one of the biggest sellers of that beer because of its tie to Brooks and Dunn because of its tie and release around the rodeo just was a heavy hitter. And now it's one of our popular, most popular beers, but you know, we start off with a Belgian single when you're like, Oh, what are you gonna do with a Belgian single? And you know, how are we going to, you know, make it, make it sellable. And you know, while the beer tastes good, we know that, but it's, part of the marketing to get people to purchase that beer and so a name and a design around that beer is really really important to us and making sure and people again look for that from us and so um it, it's a probably about a when i say about a three to five month process um from the creation of the beer the creation of the name getting the labels ordered um, merchandise promotion around it all that stuff it's quite it's quite a task mm-hmm. some beers take longer than others depending on if they have a charitable component to them then we have to work with third-party entities and and all that but in the in the case of like neon moon that was just completely in-house something we uh, derived from from nothing to something and um, it turned out to be one of our one of our more popular seasonal beers so that's crazy that Neon Moon was not trademarked. You would think they would have trademarked Who it. Who would have thought? Shame on you, Brooks and Dunn. Y'all messed up. <laughs> but if you want it back, no. <laughs> you might have to pay a pretty penny. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's that's crazy. And that's really awesome that you guys kind of just sit down, think, and you all agree in like one unison and... And then it becomes like a big seller. That's crazy that, you know, how the process is. Because like you said, a lot, a lot of people know about that stuff. Right. I mean, just over the pandemic alone, we released 89 different products. 89. Um, that's unheard of for us. Uh, but again, we had a plenty of time on our hands for the first probably four or five months of the pandemic. So you can imagine how many designs and how many brainstorm sessions we had to do over the course of a year for 89 different beers. That's uh, crazy. Um, our designer, uh, bless her heart, she was working her butt off to get all this stuff out there um she's now we now have kind of scaled back that now that we're back kind of uh open to the public and getting back into the swing of things but we're still releasing a new beer every week um new every week every single week we have a new beer release whether or not it be a uh, distributed beer or something we're just selling here in the tap room okay but we also yeah every week we have a new this this week we have our um our summer kolsch crispy summer has just released uh, on thursday yesterday so that was our release this week we've got um a plethora of things in the lineup for the month of june um including our new uh pride beer that's going to be released into uh, all the grocery stores on tap everywhere it's called lavender bunny people may have seen it in the last couple of years but this year it's getting a major distribution and it's benefiting the montrose center mm-hmm. so we're excited about that yeah i've seen the lavender bunny and i wanted i wanted to get the opportunity to taste it but it always sold out, so I was like, oh, darn, I you know missed what? it. You have a connection now, bud. We'll get you some. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have sounds to go with this, but... Uh... I can make my own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, can you also give us a little insight to how you make the beer? Do you guys also sit down and brainstorm, okay, this... Uh, 
goes with this flavor well and this stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's a little harder for me to speak on that since I don't really mess with the production side of the beer. I'm more in the marketing and, and uh, side of that stuff. But uh, I do know they have separate meetings uh, that I'm not usually privy to or I don't have uh, any any um, anything to add there because I'm not a brewer. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and also my, my flavor palette is not as refined as theirs is. <laughs> Although I'm trying. I'm very much, we do a lot of sensory here at the brewery as, for educational purposes and just making sure our beer is up to par compared to other people's beer as well. So um, we do a lot of that. But uh, as far as the process of making beer is concerned, and to my knowledge, is it works in very similar fashion. Casey, our, our owner and head brewer, uh, works alongside Georgie, who is uh, assistant head brewer here as well. And um, they are responsible, along with the rest of our brew team, coming up with interesting recipes, collaborations, stuff like that. Uh, but if you had to ask them, I'm sure that there's probably some science behind it. And there's some like, you know, this flavor works out with this flavor. I, I did try to brew a beer one time. Uh, I tried to make a uh, a version of a duck sauce beer. A duck sauce yeah, beer. Yeah. So the I was we were showing Blade Runner. Uh, it was an anniversary um, uh, screening of the movie, and I wanted uh, I had a you know full Chinese dinner thing set up. And I wanted to make a beer that was resemblant to Chinese food or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what flavors work here? And I'm like, well, duck sauce is sweet. Now, what's in duck sauce? Plum, um, you know, apricot, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I'll make a, a sour beer that's duck sauce related. And lo and behold, did not work. It tasted terrible. And uh, if I would have listened to the brewer uh, who was instructing me on flavor profiles, I'm sure it would have tasted a lot better. But that's why I'm not brewing beer. <laughs> uh, he's like, you know what, man? It's your beer if you want to try this out uh go for it and yeah it was just it never even made it to the to the tap wall it just dumped it oh <laughs> like, man but, oh man yeah. <laughs> but it's you know it's the way of the game we're we're all privileged here to every anniversary every one year we complete here we get to brew a beer and so that was my first attempt at brewing a beer that did not work so well. But again, like I said, I'm, that's why I'm not included on brewing uh, recipes and, and brainstorming on that. But they do a really great job of that, so you know. And we put out some fantastic beers thanks to those guys. So we all know that COVID happened last year, lockdowns and stuff like that. How did it affect Eureka? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, we... It was so we were to start off. We were very privileged enough not to have to lose anybody here uh, to to the pandemic, um, and we were able to keep everybody on staff. Uh, me personally, probably would have been the first person to cut. Um, Vents aren't happening. Tap rooms not open. Why? Why am I here? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Luckily for the few of us that didn't have a real role when the pandemic started, it just kind of just wiped out our jobs. We were able to find homes for the rest of us in in different areas. And I mentioned earlier that I sat uh, downstairs on the packaging line for six months during the summer, just packaging beer. Um, Not anything what I expected or wanted to do here at a brewery, but uh, it kind of saved my life and my job here. So, you know. I've, if it weren't for that, I've probably been looking for a new gig. And now I'm here and staying here and back in my old role again. But um, to uh, to answer more about that, too, like I want to give a quick thanks to the community. Like, honestly, uh, our neighbors and our fans uh, kept us alive. Um, if it weren't for them coming through our drive through every day and buying beer from us and helping us move this inventory, it would have been a different story. We would be sitting here today. Um 
thankfully our neighbors did not want us to see us go anywhere. And so, um, I'm still skeptical on where some of these guys stored all the beer they bought from us over the <laughs> course of the, the early months of the pandemic. Cause they would come by and they would get cases of beer every day. And I'm like, you're not drinking this this fast. I, I know that. So were you guys just stockpiling it in the garage? You know, what are you? Maybe they are. Maybe it's for parties. <laughs> and I wasn't mad at them, but I'm like, guys, you guys are, you guys are really helping us, you know, stay alive here. And I mean, it, it really did do, uh, do us justice in keeping our business going. And not to mention what I talked about earlier, the 89 beers we released, mm -hmm. staying relevant and doing new things helped us, um, helped us stay alive through the pandemic. It, 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 kept people interested in what we were doing. We saw that trend happening with a lot of breweries around us too. Um, just, you know, when you have the time on your hands, make something out of it. And we did, we worked our butts off to put out n numerous releases, do creative things with local bars or local restaurants. We were doing drive-through pairing packs and we have one now that we actually, we're still, I mean, we're I don't want to say we're out of the pandemic, but we're definitely on the on the back end of this thing. It, it, we're still doing a lot of the activities that we were doing during the pandemic because mm -hmm. they took a they, they took on a liking. People really enjoyed them, and so right now we have uh, we're working with a, a group of guys called the Dumpling Dudes, and uh, they uh, make uh, artisan handmade dumplings. And we did a pairing with them, a beer pairing with them uh, that is being sold directly through our drive-through, and it's completely sold out. 112 pairing packs. Really? Um, wow. So, it just goes to show you some of these things now that we uh, we acquired during the pandemic, we're keeping and we're adopting into our, our normal uh, routine, including our drive-through. Our drive-through never existed until the pandemic, but it is um, something people have kind of uh, taken a liking to, and we we're, we're not getting rid of it. It's going to stay there for as long as we're here, and we may you know we may actually build it out to be a true drive-through, not like the one we have right now, where it's just a tent set up in the in the front of the building. But right now it works for us, and and everybody seems to love it, so it's days and um i kind of kind of some silver lining of this this terrible year we had is is kind of some new techniques that we weren't even thinking of until now and i think a lot of businesses probably have have that same vibe you know there's some things that we weren't forced to do until this time and we had to all get creative and it and it somehow worked out and like I said, we're here, man. And thankfully, I don't think Houston lost a single brewery during this whole whole process. I think every brewery pretty much made it through, which is great. So that just tells me that the, the craft beer scene in Houston is super supportive. Yeah, that's that's one thing about us Houstonians. We're very supportive. We we love our neighbors. We don't want anything to, you know, go away and stuff like that. If it's something is a is a big staple in the community, you know, everybody wants to come and support it and stuff like that. So that's really great that the community came and supported you guys during the tough time that we were all going through, you know, especially with my job. My I work for the school district, HISD. Nice. And we were constantly working with the food bank. So we were out there distributing food every day. We're going to schools and just feeding people constantly. And, you know, that's we're really awesome. man. Yeah, we were just trying to help out the community because, you know, in need, people lost jobs. People didn't have um income to have food and stuff like that so we we stepped up and we provided food for everyone in the city i think we fed like almost 2.5 million people or something like that wow. and we're still doing it now so um we have our our distributions on wednesdays and saturdays mm -hmm. so you know constantly we're, we're still feeding the community and showing them that hey we do care and we do appreciate you guys and we love you because you know the kids in the school it, they're the ones that are most affected by this because you know they're not going to school and they have to be home and sometimes the parents don't 
they're not home because they're working. So it's like, how are you going to feed the kids and stuff like that? So absolutely, we're just out there just doing the best we can, you know, for the community. Well, man, on that note, man, we we thank you for that because that that means a lot to us too. And you know, we we kind of were in the same boat with y'all during the early early on days. We were, um, like I said, left with nothing to do. Our sales team was pretty much. Uh, jobless at that point and so our sales team went out and uh, volunteered for almost four or five months with kids meals uh, delivering food to kids uh, around the Houston area uh, and that spawned into a, a long-term partnership with them that we are um, spearheading um, trying to encourage volunteer work at, at kids meals alongside our staff going over there at least once a month to volunteer uh, each of us have um, an obligation to donate our time once a month that our company has been gracious enough to pay us for and so we were utilizing those advantages to get back out into the community, not stopping what we've done in the, in the pandemic ages. And, and, and I, I think it's a, the, just the long story short to, to make, you know, a pandemic should not stop um, good deeds. Um, uh, if you, if you were out there helping out the community uh, early on, cause you needed something to do and get your mind off the craziness that was going on, continue that. Like we, we saw so much value in just being out there with people and, and people were giving us the respect of like, you guys don't need to be here, but thank you for coming out. And I commend a lot of other breweries that are doing the same thing. St. Arnold did a lot of community work during the pandemic and continues to do that. Carbock does too. Um, you know, we just, you know, we got to keep doing this, man, because our community needs needs the support, and it's not going to just be over. It's going to take a lot of time to rebuild and and get people back into a comfortable state. And there's a lot of kids I've learned over the the, the course of a year that are just deprived of so much uh, it's sad to drive around through communities and pass out sack lunches to kids that are just that's the thing that they look forward to every single day is to get a sack lunch and they don't care what's inside they just need to eat and you drive through these neighborhoods and these kids would be sitting on their doorsteps just waiting for your car to pull through so they could get something to eat and it's just heartbreaking man so you know that that left a lasting impression on us and we like i said started a um um a annual campaign with them to, to make sure that we're driving driving donations and driving volunteer work to them along with other companies and the organizations that we're we're close to as well we work with a veterans uh, networking company called combined arms that we do a lot work a lot of work with we do um what else we're doing Montro center like i told you kind of started off as a um pride month thing uh trying to donate money to them and now we we work with them annually do a lot of different events with them too so you know like i said we're just trying to we're just trying to make good out of out of a really crappy situation and not not just to let that fall by the wayside after let's say the pandemic is over i never i'm not going to say that for fear of backlash because it's not but uh but it doesn't need to end is what I'm saying. It needs to continue. We, we have shown what we're made of and we're shown that we can get out there and do this stuff and it shouldn't stop. Exactly. I, I totally a hundred percent agree with you just because something is kind of sort of ending doesn't mean that the con contributing stuff that we are doing should have to end, you know, like you guys helping out and delivering food and, you know, us as well, delivering food, you know, it is heartbreaking to know that, those kids that's the only meal that they have and it sucks because like i said when the kids are in school that's the only meal that they have for the rest of the day because you know either the parents are not home or the parents can't provide and you know it, it does break my heart as well that knowing you know that hey it sucks that these kids but we 
with Houston ISD Food Services, we we deliver these food every day to all these schools, and we feed these kids. And it, it makes us feel good, and it makes us it, it, it makes us happy knowing that we're doing our part to help these kids out, you know, regardless of whatever their situation is. Well, dude, I mean, on behalf of us, man, thank you for your service, man. You're doing a killer job, and we uh, we respect the hell out of that. I mean, we respect you guys as well. I mean, you know, we we all just care about one another. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, it's I don't know if it's a southern thing. I don't know if it's just the Houstonians, but you know, as a as a as a humans we just care about each other and we, we we're supposed to look out for one another and help out in one another. i think it's just a human thing man and it's whether or not you want to be on the that side you know if you if you want to be somebody that um you know cares and wants to see other people around you um thrive and not go hungry and have a good education and all this stuff then do what you can with what you have to make that happen um we're not all blessed with resources to to make things like that happen that there are other ways you can do it you can volunteer your time um you know we uh, i'm i'm grateful enough to have a bunch of beer at my disposal to be able to throw at um, organizations that are trying to do fundraiser events or need free alcohol for fundraiser events we we donate so much beer to that but then like i said we do monetary stuff too and when it when it counts we we really you know we really try to drive those numbers up um like i said in the early months of june here we'll be starting with the mantra center and their campaign that we do mo- annually with them and like I said, our goal is to hit $20,000 raised to LGBTQ youth, elderly, uh, for, you know, whether or not they're dealing with mental illness or homelessness or um, just need some food or medical attention. These guys do great work in that regard. And so we we're stoked to be supporting them in this time. That's great to hear. Uh, I didn't really know much about the Montrose Center, but to know that you guys are helping out, I mean, regardless of what people believe and what people see we're still we're helping out humans dealing with mental health issues we're dealing with helping with people that are homeless you know regardless of their sexuality regardless of their gender whatever you still should just help out a person because they're a human just like you they feel they you know just like you they're they're hungry just like you and it's like regardless of all that just we all have to help out one another regardless absolutely man absolutely I no discrimination here at this place. We we love everybody. Then that's how it should be. Yep. So Evan, are you a, are you originally from here, Houston? Yeah, well, yes and no. I was born in Oklahoma City, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. My dad actually took a job with Enron uh and we moved to Houston um when I was like 4 or 5. So, uh my my uh answer to that question every time is i went through houston public schooling system i'm a houstonian <laughs> from through to through yes uh I, I i was i was educated in this city uh i lived here since i was like four or five um i don't really claim oklahoma as my home well i mean oklahoma is pretty much part of dallas so we can we can claim you <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a, it's just uh you know uh South there. Oklahoma. Yeah, South, <laughs> South Texas. Or no, North Texas. North Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I uh, I claim this city as my home, man. I'm a, I'm a very prideful individual about this city, and um, which is also just a, a, a great reason to work for a, a local craft brewery. It just doesn't give me any more street cred than that, you know? <laughs> exactly. So you were saying earlier in the show that you guys are the number one, number three mm-hmm. uh, most selling, I guess, uh, I'm Houston. guessing. I'm guessing number two is is uh, Carbach, and number one is probably St. Arnold's. Yep. 
So that's pretty, that's really good company. It's very good company, man. Now, uh, it surprises the shit out of us. Can I say that? Yeah, of all course. Right. You can You can say whatever you want. <laughs> uh, it surprises the shit out of us, man, that, you know, I mean, we, we all... We all work really hard here and we, you know, we all dream of seeing those numbers and pop up. But yeah, in the last, uh, especially during the pandemic, man, it's, it's very cool to see how much our brewery has sustained and, um, and continues to grow. Um, we have, um, we take things, I want to say not too slow, but we, we take things, um, with ease. We don't try to rush anything out and we, we, we make business plans to, to make sure that we can sustain and build ourselves slowly, but efficiently. Um, and it's just seemed to work really out for us at this point. I mean, it's, it's still going pretty strong. Like I said, is it's, it's definitely, uh, well, it's bumped us up into that, that third best selling craft beer spot in Houston and it toggles, but to even hold that place for a little bit because you're not going to touch the other guys. <laughs> like, of course not. Yeah. It makes so much more beer than we do. And so there's not a, there's not a, there's not a point in fit and we are even going to get to that level unless we become a St. Arnold or a Carbock, but mm-hmm. long road ahead of us before we get there. And, um, and right now we're just happy in the place we're in and, and to be able to, to say that we're um, the third best selling craft brew in Houston. And we've actually just expanded into Galveston and, and around the Gulf coast area too. So we're working on getting our portfolio up there and getting people into the Eureka Heights brand and, it's a little harder out there because there are, there are Miller Lite, Bud Light drinkers out there. And so craft beer, uh, while it exists, is a, is a little foreign still. Um, and so we're we're kind of opening that up with a couple other craft breweries that are out there right now and trying to get that message across. But slowly but surely, it's working out, man. We're, we're getting some love out there in, in Galveston. That's good. Yeah, because I know Galveston has, I think, one or two breweries um, and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it's pretty good getting, a, getting your beer out there on the... On the island. Well, luckily, too, those craft breweries you mentioned are big fans of ours, too. Really? So they, uh, uh, they're they advocates to see Eureka out there. As some of the bars, craft beer bars out there, mm-hmm. too, are big big fans. And before before uh, before we were distributed out there, they would always come over here and buy beer. And, and really? Yeah. So it's it's. I think they're excited that, that we're now being distributed out there. And we just did one of our uh, uh, first big event out there. They're a big beach party that they do every year. It's kind of like a swimsuit contest and mm-hmm. classic car show just old school vibe and we were the sponsors of that and got a really nice response out of it kind of gave us a good idea of how many people are actually paying attention and seeing that our products out on the shelves but we have a lot of buckle bunny fans out there so you know that's always the gateway beer <laughs> it is it is for sure i mean like i said that's the first beer i started off when i started drinking eureka and i mean it, it gets you in because it's like oh it's so good it's so creamy and it just has it doesn't have like a very hard taste it's just it's a very smooth taste right because sometimes i don't like drinking beers where i'm, I'm tasted and i'm like Ooh, it gives a nasty taste in my mouth mm-hmm. or it just tastes like water yeah uh, like a certain type of beer that i'm not gonna talk about but <laughs> <laughs> but you know buckle bunny was just like oh man this is good i could i could crush these all day like you were saying yep it's so good that's what it's made for man <laughs> so um so knowing like the whole craft beer community, like with you guys in St. Arnold and, and, and uh, Carbach, do you guys like regularly like hang out with each other and just like talk shop and go to each other's breweries and, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, man. Um, funny story. Uh, when I first started in the in- industry, uh, I kind of figured out it was like this like 
brotherhood rivalry, you know? Um, so many breweries available to anybody out here. You can pretty much throw a quarter and there's another brewery um, down the road. And so there's a lot of competition. And so I came into this environment from previous jobs thinking, you know, got to be a competitor, got to stay above the rest. And um, yes, that's part of it. But I think there's way more camaraderie in this community than I ever expected. And um, it doesn't come across that way of like your beer's outselling my beer or I'm going to take a tap from you at this bar. It doesn't really work that way. People really respect one another. As you can see, too, a lot of our breweries in the Houston area do a lot of collab work together. So there's a lot of uh, inner inner workings and, um, you know, staying on the same page, being being able to work together on that. But then we have events that we do together like next or next weekend. Five breweries here in the area are doing a, a bike crawl. So really? we've all linked up. We've been emailing back and forth, trying to organize this thing together. And it's never really ever a difficult endeavor. Like everybody just really works well together. We all know each other. We have this unspoken bond where, you know, you come to our brewery, we hook you up. If you work for another brewery, we go to Carbock, they hook us up. You know, we all we all just take care of one another. Um, and uh, I I love that about this industry. Like I said, coming into it, I had a different vibe. I was like, I'm ready to compete, ready to get out there and bust some skulls. But no, mm-hmm. man, like it's. It's totally different, and I, I think I appreciate it a whole lot more because it, it brings the pressure down. You know, yeah. there's a you know you don't see you won't see your fellow Carbock employee or Eighth Wonder employee or say an Arnold employee at a grocery store stocking shelves and right next to us, and we're not like yelling at each other. We're just you know, hey buddy, what's up? You know, yeah. see you at the brewery later. Yeah, I'll come by. You know, kind of super simple. We all enjoy each other's beer, and you know, let's put it this way: if you um, if you drink your, your your own beer the whole time, you're going to get tired of it. You got to go sample around somewhere, man. Like you don't want to get tired of the same thing every day. And we have access to this beer all day, but I'd like to go, you know, go over to Eighth Wonder or St. Arnold or something like that, have a beer over there too, see what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with, uh, with podcasters here. You know, you would think it'd be doggy dog, you know, uh, I got to get more views and more listens than you, but no, a lot of us just come together and we all support each other. We all want to work with each other. You know, sometimes I'll collab with the local podcast and, you know, I'll do the same. And we just we just all want to help out each other. So it's it's pretty we're all like in the same boat. You know, it's all community. It's all um, just friends and just, you know, everybody helping out one another as humans. Absolutely. So um, can you can you tell me your favorite beers? And I'm going to name you just some a couple breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, your favorite one, beers from Carbock. Favorite beer from Carbock, Hopadillo. Ooh, I like uh, I like the Crawford Buck, my my personal favorite. Yeah, yeah. I also like Tasty Waves, uh, but that's a seasonal beer, so I don't get it very often. But Hopadillo is usually my go-to when I'm drinking Carbock. I'm an IPA fan most mm-hmm. mostly, so it usually is where I gravitate towards. Uh, Saint Arnold's. Saint Arnold Orange Show until it no longer existed. <laughs> what? I think it's no longer on the, or at least no longer in their distribution, or if it's seasonal now. But Orange Show was phenomenal. I have not tasted it, but I do live like right across the street from Orange, so yeah. But um, no, my favorite beer from St. Arnold's, ah uh, man, I have for I'm drawing a blank, but I do enjoy the root beer. The root beer is amazing. Dude, you can't beat that root beer. Man. <laughs> no, you can't. It's so good. Um, you know, I really. Uh, their pilsners are pretty phenomenal too. In fact, if you haven't had it already, the new uh, their new barrel aged release, their old fashioned. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen that barley wine aged in. Oh, you're gonna. 
I'm gonna, it's a bourbon barrel aged something, but I can't remember the 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 barrels they use. But phenomenal beer, like or b- barley wine, if you will. But uh, something like I, I'm really kind of digging these like cocktail iterations of beers, and and they just nailed it with that one. Like that that old fashioned is phenomenal. Exactly, and their uh, their brewery is really nice. I mean, they had the whole addition with their little. Uh, uh, outside, you know, where you can sit and eat and stuff like that. So they're doing really good for themselves. That's it's a really, really cool awesome. design out there in their little it like, is. In their patio area. They, uh, if you see it from an aerial aerial view, it's a giant hop. Yeah, which is kind of cool. And I, I didn't even notice that at first, but then I saw a drone image of it. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So smart, they, they smart. Sp- they spend some money on that place, and it shows. Yeah, it really shows. I mean, all, I mean, if they're number one, of course they're gonna, you know make everything look nice and the community look nice, you know, to get more people. Well, and they're, like I said, they're, they're, uh, they're a huge staple to, to tourism here in Houston. Um, while they, I like to call them the gateway, gateway Houston brewery because people are going to go usually to St. Arnold or Carbach first, low hanging fruit. You know, if you look at any hell, if you're traveling here from any, any state and you look at the in-flight magazine, there's a Carbach and a St. Arnold. I mean, visiting Houston, go see these breweries. Mm-hmm. But those breweries typically trickle down to us, and they, they say, you know, you, know, you get a lot of tourism asking, hey, you know, where, where's another brewery? What's another brewery to try? And they, they send them our way. And so I, you know, I have mad respect for that. And, um, you, know, you know, utilizing their platform to help smaller breweries to, you know, bring other people in. So nobody just goes to one, especially if you're like, I'm here to do breweries. Yeah. Like, we 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 love the fact that they they recommend and send them down to us or you know um new magnolia or eleven below eighth wonder in those places so they're 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 big advocates for us and that just kind of ties right back into the whole community aspect of this this whole brewery scene that's great all right the last one eighth wonder what is your favorite eighth wonder beer oh man um so they're they're kind of they're kind of all over the place, but I like Rocket Fuel. Rocket Fuel has been my kind of all to all time go to with them. Mm-hmm. On honestly, because I'm not a stout guy at all, but I love Vietnamese iced coffee, and so uh, that beer represents a Vietnamese iced coffee so well. And um, it's just kind of kind of my go to. But there was one that they did with Bun B called. I think it's, it was called Boss Beer. Was it, it was, like the cider? I think is it the cider it was a one? Pineapple. I want to say it was a pineapple Kolsch, but it was okay. fruitier side, um, a little sour, yeah. Um, and it was it was great too, like <laughs> really really good beer. But like if I had a, my go to the the Rocket Fuel and then their Nitro Rocket Fuel, you can get in their tap room. And occasionally they do the variants of it too, mm-hmm. where it's like Rocket Fuel with vanilla or Rocket, you know. Whatever you do with that, it's also good with ice cream. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Ice cream? Yeah. yeah. My girlfriend tasted it. We uh, we go to this little bar over there in Edo called uh, Neil's Bar. Hell yeah, man! I love Neil's. All right, we had a fellow uh, fellow Neil uh, fan. So yeah, we go there, and that's that's our spot. We just go and we sit in the booze and we chill and we drink beer and stuff like that. And she tried the Rocket Fuel, and I was like, oh wow, this is really good. I was like, you should put some like vanilla in this or something. But mm-hmm. you know, of course, I'm not gonna have vanilla on hand. But I was like, it's really good. It is really good. Really good beer. Shout out, shout out to them. Yeah, for sure, man. They make some some quality product over there at Eighth Wonder. Not to mention they got the distillery now. Yeah, they do. I have not gone to the distillery yet. I've got a bottle right there, I think, next to, oh, the, really? next to the red one. I don't know if there's, I think there's some gin left in there. Oh. Solid stuff. Solid. They're doing great work on both fields. Nice, nice. I'm about to go try that. Yeah. 
<coughs> Sorry, excuse me. So, um, what else can I ask? So, pretty much, let's let's get off the beer subject a little bit. Let's get sure. more and more about you. So, I'm here in your office, and I'm noticing you you're a music fan. I can yeah. I can assume. So, favorite bands you have? Yeah, man, that's a that's another big question. Hard to hard to answer. Um, I'm a I'm a punk rocker through and through, man. I grew up in the punk rock scene. I played in punk rock bands. Uh, but I think uh, the punk rock community and the music genre really derives from quite a bit of different different music uh, genres. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you got... I mean, you got stuff driving from like Woody Guthrie uh, into the clash and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, country meets punk rock. Uh, and I really like that, like medium of like the country meets punk rock. And I would have to say, if, if you asked me what my favorite band was, would be social distortion. I think that really embodies that, that country punk vibe. Like you could, you get some fast in your face music, but then they throw in a harmonica and stuff like that. And it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite, fit the full punk rock world but Mm -hmm. it kind of crosses lines a little bit and you don't see that very often but um another band that does that really well is gaslight anthem which they're not a band anymore but their singer brian fallon has spun off and has started you know doing this punk rock band now he's more bluegrass country and a lot of his inspiration drives from bruce springsteen which is my all-time favorite like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of a lot of things that remind me of Bruce Springsteen really set well with me. And I, uh, I kind of dig his whole working class vibe. Uh, I like all the music that he does is from the heart tells a story. Um, and I think it just translates so well down to, to the music that I grew up listening to. And I'm admittedly not a Bruce Springsteen fan early on. My, my parents liked Springsteen and Billy Joel and stuff like that. And my dad was very big into country. My mom was more into the rock and roll. Oddly enough, it's a weird mix, but, (laughs) um, you know, my, my love for Bruce Springsteen really was more, uh, later in life, my high school years when I was getting into punk rock and I was like very, uh, influential by my friends and people that were in the community in Houston. And it was important to me at that time to want to fit in and want to be knowledgeable on all the stuff that the old bucks had, had knowledge on. And, you know, that was my first I think at that time, my first real dive into the clash and, and um, li- listening to them and then really doing my research on them and how they became a band and that Woody Guthrie uh, tie. Joe Strummer of the clash was a huge Woody Guthrie fan and his alter ego name was Woody. Uh, so um, there's a song by the Gaslight Anthem called uh, I Should Have Called You Woody and it's about Joe Strummer of the clash. Mm-hmm. And, um, and his his his. Um, I guess starstruck fame around Woody Guthrie and it's kind of just weird to me how a British punk rocker <laughs> could drive inspiration from a country singer. It doesn't make any sense to me but you know that's that's what worked for them and then uh, as you know Clash kind of uh, kind of went off and did more reggae pop stuff and started taking inspiration from everything else but I think yeah, I think uh, if you had to ask me what my favorite band or musician was, I think it has to stem from Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on down from there. I mean, as you see right there, I'm a huge Iggy Pop fan, too. Uh, that guy's a crazy son of a bitch. And <laughs> I kind of he's kind of ageless. And I don't know how he does it, but, like, that guy still does it today. And I've seen him multiple times. And, and in his age, you would think that he'd be pickled and in a couch somewhere not doing anything. But, man, he's just up there rocking still. And I, I can appreciate 
appreciate the hell out of that. But, you know, and then um, I'm I'm big into hip hop too. I love I love Houston hip hop and Bun B and all that stuff. Man, I, I support the hell out of that. And um, you know, Travis Scott, big fan of him. I'm also way way into the sneaker game too. Mm-hmm. So that whole community really works well. And um, you know, I buy a lot of product from Travis Scott, <laughs> and the guy pretty much has cleaned out my bank account. Yeah, I I can totally understand what you mean. So before we get into anything else, um, have you ever had any of the like the Houston rappers come to Eureka Brewery and just be like, "Hey, can I get some of that?" Oh, let me think about that. Not to my knowledge, not to my knowledge, but I know we have we work with different people that have direct ties to the to the hip hop community here in Houston. I wouldn't say the hip hop community has gravitated towards us to my knowledge. Um, but we do have a lot of other bands and stuff here in Houston that we, um, we see in here occasionally. Um, there's a band, um, just out of really out of Montrose, um, um, that comes in here quite often called Vody. Um, kind of a, more soft rock band. We really like them here. It kind of gives off that nice um, 80s Fleetwood Mac vibe. And um, their singer really likes our wicked awesome ESB. So he comes in here all the time and buys that stuff up from us. Uh, but as far as the Houston rapper scene, um, not to my knowledge, but I, I, I hope that they're drinking our beer. I know we, we sponsored a lot of parties that they were at. So, mm-hmm. so eventually I hope they had a buckle bunny in their hand at some point. Well, hopefully you guys out there in the Houston rap game come and uh, check out some uh, Eureka Breers. This is really good. Yeah, we got too many to, to pass up. Like, you know, there's definitely going to be something on our wall that you're going to like for sure. Exactly. So um, I've seen Vody before. Uh, I think I saw them at, I don't know if it was In Bloom or was it the last year of Free Press? They were at In Bloom. Uh, there you go. There yeah, because I, w- I went and saw them there. They've played here before too. Really, uh, we've okay. had them here uh, two years ago for our anniversary party. Um, great, great guys. Uh, um, wonderful music. We we thoroughly love them here. But yeah, he uh, their singer um, comes in here all the time for Wicked. <laughs> he really? loves Wicked. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, and then there's there's a, a band called Swimwear Department. Uh, I think I've heard of them before. Yeah, those guys come in here. They've played our building before too. But yeah, we're open to anybody and everybody. Like so, you know, Houston hip hop community, come out, come out. We want you here. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe we might get Paul Wong. Who knows? Man, he's got uh, he got that beer with Eighth Wonder too. Yeah, I saw that. So, but either way, man, tell yeah if you're listening, Paul Wall, come on. <laughs> I might actually try to get Paul Wall on this show. I have some ties that knows him, so maybe if I get Paul Wall on the show, maybe I might try to get him through Eureka. Who and knows? Tell you what, man, I'll uh, I'll set you up with a bunch of beer. Just have it setting <laughs> out. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this is where it's at. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a dream of mine to have Paul Wall. Try to get some Houston rappers. You know, everybody looks up to Paul Wall. Everybody loves the People's Champ, and you know he does so much for the community. So it's Hell like, yeah. why not have him? You know. On the show, so oh, he's a good dude, man. He like you know him, Bunby, uh, you know Trey, the Truth, all those guys, man. They do so much for Houston, so much. Right now, they're big advocates and trying to get people vaccinated too. Now, and you know we're you know I, I respect the hell out of that. You know, just kind of trying to get the community in order, and they do such a good job of it. And uh, mad shout outs to those guys. Great role models. Great yes. role models. Um, what was I going to ask you? So. From your perspective, I know like certain breweries in like different parts of the country, they like to, I guess you can say, they're like mad scientists when it comes to their beers. Like they'll do like a peanut butter cookie and stuff like that. What do you what do you think about those? Have you tried any of those like before? Yeah, um, they are good. They are 
uh, nothing wrong with those guys or any of those beers. They're definitely desserty in a in a sense where you just gotta have one, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's it's hard to like, it's hard to see that come out and not go. Ooh, I want to know what that tastes like. And I admit we've done some of those here too, man. Um, we we don't do as many of them, but we we get crazy and something we had a you know um, one called choosy moms which is a our peanut butter chocolate beer um that tasted just like a peanut butter chocolate cookie man it was mm-hmm. delicious but then um we kind of get into every every year around the rodeo we do um, our carnival beers or carny beers and those are out of this world sweet bombs like they're cotton candy buckle bunny we have uh lemon lime mini boss we do um uh fried oreo stouts we really? do uh churro uh a churro i think it was it a belgian churro? um but we do all these different beers that are just you know within that realm it's not like i said it's something we don't frequent a lot because you know, our, our vibe is more this more um easy drinking you know we want you to put down a six pack not just a beer you know Mm -hmm. and um and so but as as far as the the concept around creative crazy beers is concerned i think it's it's only bettering the beer community it gives variety uh for people and there's a lot of people out there that just want that stuff and i see a lot uh, you know you go through different breweries and uh well i feel like you see the same demographic a little bit here and there there's definitely different vibes of individuals at each place and i i I think that definitely is derived from the beer that they produce so Mm -hmm. um you know uh good example urban south urban south does quite a bit of the dessert style kind of beers puts a lot of marshmallow and stuff like that in there and then you go and you you see their crowd and man they've got a lively bunch of people out there you know younger demographic maybe some of them are just now getting into the craft brew scene Mm -hmm. but they're being attracted to those beers because it's crazy ass flavors man like i went over there the other day and got one that was like dr pepper marshmallow really craziness and it was it tasted like dr pepper and marshmallow and i'm like i don't know how you guys do this but it's definitely one of those beers like, you know, I, I, I can't put down a four pack of those things. It's like uh, just one. I don't know that I need to be putting down a four pack of those things. But um, but one is one is enough. But they're they're good, man. I, I got, got them credit. And like I said, it does it does uh, create sort of a gateway into craft beer for some people, too. So people that are just intrigued by crazy flavors. We're going to go, OK, I'm going to go to Urban South, but then start to approach and look at different other breweries and seeing what they're doing. And we all we all cross lines and do some similar things, but there's always a differential like vibe about every place mm-hmm. and what we produce. Yeah, exactly. I have not been to Urban South yet, but I do have some friends that go there. Pop Soap, um, they're kind of like a staple there at uh, Urban South. So shout out to Pop Soap. I have them on the show as well. Nice. Um, and I do know they have an Urban South in New Orleans. We were just in New Orleans a couple weeks, a couple months ago, and I was like, "Hey, we should stop by Urban South." And we never did. But <laughs> you it's, know, a diff- it's a different place, man. Yeah. They do a lot of different things. Our our Urban South is very experimental. Um, I don't know if you know much about those guys, but. Um, the brewer there, uh, I want to say his name is Dave or David. Uh, he uh, came from B fifty two, out there in Conroe area. And um, if you're familiar with what they do, is a very similar vibe. So what I think he did is he, he when he left B fifty two to come to Urban South, he basically took what he was doing at Urban B fifty two and just enhanced the hell out of it, and giving him creative freedom to do so many cool different things. And um, you know that's what you're seeing coming out of their brewery today, just wild. Flavors. 
Exactly. You know, I think another thing that does attract a lot of people besides the flavor of the beers is the color of the cans and the designs and stuff like that as well. I think that's a big, big, uh, I think that's really big for them to like, oh, I like the can. It looks pretty. It looks nice. You know, it makes me want to taste it and stuff like that. Um, I know a guy, his name is Michael, um, and he trades beers and stuff like that. There's this community in Houston that they'll go and trade certain beers from different breweries and stuff like that. And he's always telling me, like, yeah, man, I got this beer. I went to San Antonio to go trade with this guy. And this guy from Conroe came over here and traded with me. And I'm like, that's a really cool community that they just trade beers and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that, that's a big thing, man. Um, trust me, we get emails all the time going, hey, can I have this beer shipped to me? I'm in North Carolina. And I'm like... Due to our distribution laws and rules, we were not allowed to put beer in the mail and ship it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what generally occurs, and what I usually put in my emails, like, "Hey, you got a you got a plug in Houston, man. Just uh, you know, contact them and tell them to come by, and then they can ship it to you." And it happens all the time, and so you get a lot of people that are within this, like. Uh, <laughs> we uh, nicely refer to them as craft beer nerds and they um they do a lot of that a lot of trading i mean hell i'm probably half of our staff is involved in that same operation really? like they you know they'll sit around a table with a box of barrel aged stuff and go okay i'll give you this for that or two of these for this and like it's like trading pogs or you know trading cards or something like that they just or or not to mention i mean the value in some of this stuff like yeah craft beer um is taking on a wild ebay value <laughs> like there's some releases that come out um we're working on one right now um without giving out too much information with one of the uh one of the stars from big trouble in little china okay so we're working on a collab beer with he or she I uh, can't say it yet but we'll we'll soon be announcing that and uh you know there there's already people with him teasing uh, I said he now you know it's a he oh. with him teasing it on his social media pages have reached out to us already asking when and how can they get whatever we're doing with him mm-hmm. and um you know most of these people are in overseas some of them are in Japan some are you know you know just a state away but it's like okay how are we going to do this where obviously we're trying to cater to these people that aren't going to be able to get this beer and i think it's going to be the same thing the good news is there's going to be a lot of merchandise around it t-shirts stickers and stuff like that so for those people that weren't able to get the beer uh, we'll be able to still buy some of the memorabilia around it but we're really excited about it he he reached out to us and uh, we have uh, a big trouble little china beer that we released last year called six demon bag and that kind of what drew his attention to it and he's like hey you know the 35th anniversary of big trouble little china is this year and uh you know you haven't made a beer about me yet <laughs> and i was like you're right are you the real him and if you are let's see proof and sure enough we got something in the mail autographed stuff in the mail all this stuff and i'm like okay it's really him so uh look for that sometime in july oh that's only just but two months, months away, almost not, a month and a half. It's not that far away. We're going to be making a big announcement around it. We're working, we're working diligently with the city too to see how we can kind of connect this with Comic Palooza and all that. And um, you know, 
see how big we can make this. But it's it's uh, we're excited about it. We're uh, we're ready to release, and he's very eager to get it out there on his social media and, and promote the hell out of it. We 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 wanted him to be here for the release, but because of COVID, his age and things like mm-hmm. that, there was a lot of limitations. So there's going to be some fun things that he has uh, sent us, uh, including some video content and things like that. Not to mention a bunch of great giveaways. So look for that. Um, we're looking a slated release for that on July 16th. So Friday, we're going to be show. It'll be a Friday. We'll be showing Big Trouble in Little China up here. The beer release, some special special messages from uh, our guest of honor, and um, like I said, he sent us a bunch of stuff to give away. So wow. we're going to be giving away a lot of prizes. Well, I'll be there at Comic Palooza. So hopefully, you guys do get to go and, and work with with the with the city and the Comic Palooza because that'd be awesome. Hey man, if it if it works out in our favor, I had a call with them today. If it works out in our favor, the beer will be sold at the the Comic Palooza. Oh, so you know how many people? A lot of people will be just like. Let's buy it. Gotta buy it. I don't care. Just buy it. (laughs) And I I think in in light of all that, it'll hopefully help some of those tourists or people from out of state be able to get their hands on the beer before they go home. Yeah. Uh, You get a lot of travel, and um, I'm assuming that the fan base around Comic Palooza is probably similar similar to the ones emailing us right now wanting it. (laughs) So uh, I'm I'm hoping to get behind that and making sure that anybody coming into town for that event knows that that beer will be available, whether it be here to pick up and buy, or hopefully we'll have it on sale. At Comic Palooza, that's just big pipe dreams, but we're we're trying. You never know. I mean, it could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what was I? I was going to ask you something else. Um, I know, like, was it the LA scene? I'm, I mean, not going to ask you, but I was going to tell you. I know, like, the LA scene. Their craft beers, they're a lot. Like I said, I have a friend of mine. His name is uh, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mega Man. Um, What's up, Mega Man? Uh, he has literally, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating, but his, your back wall, he has like a whole just wall of beers that mm-hmm. he works with other breweries. He's friends. He works with their, the craft beer community in L.A. and Long Beach and, and all that. And they just give him free beers. And he just has so many beers where he has to literally give them away because it's taking up space in his apartment. Right. So I'm like, that's, that's crazy. But, yeah, shout out to Mega Man. You know, um, I've had him on the show. He's really cool. He's thinking of coming to Texas because he he wants to do a podcast invasion, and um, he wants to start all the way from Fort Worth, I think, and then go to Dallas, and then go to San Antonio, and then Austin and Houston. And I told him, hey, let me know if you ever come into town. I'll take you to some of our the best breweries you've ever gone to here in, in Houston. You know, I'll take him to Corsain Arnold's, Eureka, Ace Wonder, some of the ones out there. You know, and stuff like that because it's like we, everything is so different and everybody tastes so different. So it's like I know his palate will probably just go crazy because it's like you know L.A. I feel like L.A. is just one thing, but Houston we're just everything and everything. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you got. I think we were talking about this earlier off air, like how many how many breweries this the city alone has, um, and reaching statuses of like Denver, Colorado, where you know per per capita has so many so many breweries that you know you you literally can walk out a door and go right back into another brewery, and I feel like Houston is well on the heels of that um and there's just new ones popping up every day there's another one that i just saw a sign for right there on i-10 called russo's brewing company it's literally just a sign out there right now but i mean building it from scratch like so just there's no stopping this train of you know craft beer and and then and i think too what you're seeing a lot of evolving um like mm-hmm. into the seltzer world too and to be really fair the seltzers are a way to sell still stay relevant in this scene um 
if you notice, if you go to your grocery store now, um, there is more cooler space stocked with seltzers than there are beer. And it's it eats into the space that we're able to put on our, put our product on those shelves. And so the only way to really kind of conform to that is to make a seltzer. And so we regain some of our shelf space back. And I don't think the seltzers are going away. I think they're going to be here for a long, long time. And the amount of real estate that they're being given uh, on store shelves just shows me that, that it's going to be crazy. But no, man, it's it's uh, just so much going on around here. So how them. did you guys start with the seltzers? Did you just kind of realize like, hey, everyone else is doing it. Let's let's try it and see how it how it goes. It's a pretty much pretty much. I'm sorry. Is that how pretty much it went? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, he saw he saw a uh, uh, opportunity, and we had to either not take it or take it. And I think it's a not a I want to say sore or sour subject, but it's a subject in the craft beer scene. There's a lot of you know breweries that are like I ain't touching seltzers, and there's a breweries that like we gotta do it. Like, and in the same vein as us, I and mean, we got to do it for shelf space because if if we don't have a product to put there, then we just lose another spot. Mm-hmm. And the more you lose, the less you're relevant, and then sales just start to plummet. So. Uh, you know, we, we had to make a strategic decision to whether or not we were going to go do seltzers or not. And so we kind of, you know, obviously talked around the community and we're like, are you doing seltzers or, you know, and we kind of got the vibe from some of the, uh, some of the breweries that are kind of within our level or just above us that like, yeah, we got to, cause it's, you know, it's becoming a thing and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. It's not Smirnoff ice, you know, it's like, Ooh, but oh you know, we weren't going to make some, you know, malt liquor, sweet stuff, but, uh, there's, um, there was a demand for it, man. And so we, we took a crack at it and it took us over about a year to develop our flavors and how to make seltzers. It's a very different process, um, than making beer. It, it requires us using different tanks for that. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's just, it's a delicate new stage that we weren't privy to. It took us a long time to figure out how to make them taste good. And, um, not going to lie. The first few months of tasting and trialing these things were terrible, and tastes like rubbing alcohol mixed with sweetener and it's just like this doesn't work and as we developed it over time and refined it we're able to find ways to make it a little bit better and then obviously the flavor was a key component and then we're we were crossed with the idea of using fresh fruit or fruit extract and where we learned very quickly the fresh fruit is a little harder to manage especially in a can Mm -hmm. Um, there could be fermentation that continues to still happen there not to mention the flavor profiles cannot may not be as strong in certain fruits peach for example is very uh subtle smells smells beautiful has a great flavor but when you when you try to reduce it down into a beverage it doesn't really come through very nice and so it comes out kind of sour kind of not peachy at all mm-hmm. and so after a few runs of trying to do things with fresh fruit we decided you know maybe the extracts are the way to go and um, we started doing experiments with extracts and different flavors and finally started finding balances that really worked very well with um, what we were trying to create and I think what you're going to see now across a lot of the craft breweries that have decided to venture into the seltzer game that all of our seltzers are very different Uh, you try them um, where our flavors are not just the flavors but just the way the the seltzers are made are different from St. Arnold or different from Carbox Ranch Water or all that so um you're getting different varieties it's not gonna be like oh, that's the same strawberry or peach seltzer that everybody has it tastes a little bit different it has made a little bit different and you can kind of see the difference and it's i think it's up to everybody's decision on which one they like better and we've done a lot of trial and error with these things but we're pretty proud of what we've created yeah i'm gonna have to try one of those seltzers because I, like i said 
I notice everyone's doing the seltzer game, and I know maybe like two, three years ago, everybody was in the cider game. Uh-huh. You know, that's kind of like the trend, I guess. Do you can you can you predict like what the next trend is going to be for for craft beers stuff like that? You know, man, I I really I kind of think that this trend of cocktail beers are going to become a thing. Um, we're already seeing the trend of. Um, bars and restaurants looking and asking us for cocktail recipes around seltzers and beer. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, we talked about earlier, there's so many different flavors now that are out there in beer, the beer world that, that really lend themselves to that. And, um, St. Arnold, I think was the first one out of the gate really to actually put out a beer that is cocktail driven, um, and, and kind of, uh, sold as, as an old fashioned. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's great. And I, I think that as time goes on, we're going to start seeing more of that. I think we've already talked about kind of looking at our seltzer lines and trying to do like a pina colada or like a margarita or something of that nature where it has takes on that flavor profile. You can mix it with something. Uh, you don't have to mix it with something. It kind of just tastes good on its own. But if I had to guess uh, outside of just IPA crazes and, you know, right now, if you're if you're a beer fan, uh, you know, hazies all the way. Mm-hmm. Anytime we release a hazy it's a line of people and if you're a seltzer drinker uh i think it's kind of getting more into how creative you're going to get with that seltzer without making it taste terrible yeah i think there's a there's definitely a fine line of like overdoing it and i i think we we saw that in the process of making these things too of like you know what flavors are mixing flavors and stuff like that so you can't just go crazy with these things without them tasting a little funny but um yeah it's delicate process but i definitely think that you're going to start seeing more of that kind of like um i think you see it now already with canned cocktails and stuff like that so i think the craft beer scene seltzer game all that stuff like that's going to kind of start gearing in that direction i don't know how severe um but i think you're going to start seeing more of it that sounds pretty interesting so we better strap up and get ready for cocktail beers yeah man i'm waiting for that white russian (laughs) (laughs) the dude pretty much a dude i think somebody's already claimed that name but you know whatever (laughs) we can call it the dude with like four u's (laughs) it could be some some uh Russian name or something like that. Mm-hmm. You never know. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty interesting to see. You know, the craft beer always, like you said, evolving and trying out new things and trying out new flavors and stuff like that. So it's really that's really awesome. You know, not a lot of common folk or the you know the regular people think about stuff like this but some people are like you know i want to see what they're doing and stuff like that. You know, right, right. No, man, I, I'm excited to kind of like. I mean, there's some stuff that I'm sure I'm not even thinking about. They're going to come down the pipe. I mean, hell, there's at one point there was beer popsicles like, um, oh, wow. they, they're short lived, but it, it was there. It was there for a second. So who knows what's going to come next down the pipe. But I, I, I definitely hope, I hope for the sake of, and just cause the sheer enjoyment that I have that these more like cocktail driven beers kind of mm-hmm. start to come out. You see a lot of them that are barrel aged, which is going to be nice and 12, 13 percenters. So definitely drinks like a cocktail for sure. I mean, need one of those things to kind of start making beer shots. I think that might be a thing too. Beer shots. Wow. Yeah. High alcohol beer shots, you know? We we have a few beers downstairs that we uh, don't typically drink by the glass. We just put them in a shot glass and just knock them back. <laughs> I can kind of picture that already. Just going to a bar and just like give me that with a shot and yep. just boop. Yeah, I can. Wow, that's wow, that's something you never really thought of. <laughs> yeah, man. I, like I said, there's always inventing, always things going on. So I I'm like I said, I'm still very curious as to see what's going to come down the pipe too. Always moving forward. Yep. Okay, so. I know we were talking earlier about your process of when you 
come up with a beer and trademarking names and stuff like that. Do you have any names that you can share with me of beers that you wanted to name, but this was like, eh, kind of like, let's put this on the back burner. Oh, hell, man. I got one in particular that I can tell you uh, has changed names almost three times uh, because of its uh, references to uh, Matt Groening TV shows. Uh, so Simpsons Family Guy references, Futurama references. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got caught a couple of times in that. So the most recent one, um, we had a beer come out um, early on here called Shop Shop. And Shop Shop was uh, an ode to another beer here in Houston that our brewer uh, created uh, at a certain brewery. And first beer or well, one of the first beers he did was chop shop and it was an iteration of one of his last beers at mm-hmm. at st arnold uh, and uh it was for fun and we we worked with st arnold on that and they so they knew we were doing it but uh that beer evolved we obviously couldn't call it that name anymore and we had to take the st arnold reference off of it and so um it changed names and in the last iteration of it it was called thunder cougar falcon bird and that was a reference from futurama it was a car that uh was in that show called the thunder cougar falcon bird and so we uh called it that and we put it out for release and lo and behold here comes the cease and desist oh wow and so uh i want to say it was disney whoever owns Matt Groening's estate stuff now, like I can't remember who, like he's not dead or anything, but I think Disney owns the rights to pretty much all uh, Simpsons, anything he does. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know who we got this cease and desist from. Honestly, it'd be cool if it was Disney. Um, but, uh, they, uh, yeah, we had to change the name of that. Currently in development, and trying to figure out what that's going to be called this time around. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, it, like I said, it's changed. I, if I, for the life of me, can't remember the other versions of that name, but it's been it's been uh, caught numerous times. We also have uh, it's funny. Uh, we have a beer called Holly Jolly Jorts. We do for Christmas every year. It's mm-hmm. a Snickerdoodle style uh, golden ale, and. Uh, uh, we got, I think Santa Claus sent us a cease and desist saying we can't use Holly Jolly. <laughs> really? Santa Claus? I don't know if it was Santa Claus or not, but it might as well have been. Uh, he, we got a, whoever is in charge of Christmas mm-hmm. <laughs> said, <laughs> said, hey, you know, you can't use Holly Jolly. And I'm like, what? Like, well, it's a song, you know, well, okay, but why <laughs> like, yeah it, it's not even you know well, you, what about jolly jordan nope no can't do jolly either and i'm like are you kidding me so now we're having to rename our christmas beer uh to something else that's not um that's not trademarked by santa you would think it would be like in the public domain you know but i guess not you never know man as we find we find like i said going right back to neon moon man i don't know how we got that trademark but you know sometimes we win sometimes we lose on those things <laughs> That's pretty cool. You know, like with my name, I, I need to trademark my name uh, inside the North Side because uh, I'm constantly just going online. I'm like, please don't have nobody has my name. Please nobody have my name. And because I don't want to change it. It's it. I just came up with it, you know, at a random when I started the podcasting game. I was trying to figure out something that was catchy. And I was like, no, that's dumb. No, that's dumb. I don't even remember any of the names. So, you know, me being from, from Houston, from the north side of, uh, of downtown, I was like, inside the north side. And I was like, okay, you know, I liked it. It, it sounded kind of awkward for the first couple episodes when I started. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, now it's, I love the name. You know, I've, I've 
not trademarked it yet, but I bought, you know, I made stickers and stuff like that, which I do have some merch for you, you know, uh, after the end of our episode. But, you know, um, like I said, I need to trademark my name because I think they would, you know, I, I don't want to keep it. I don't want to lose it. No, man, I get it. And you don't want to also have to, like, relinquish all the stuff you put that name on, too, because that sometimes comes into play or if you've made money off of it or something like that, you know, sometimes when people want cuts of it. So, yeah, make sure to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, like I said, l- learn from our, our mistakes. Uh, I mean, it, it happens all the time, too. I'm like, we're not the first brewery that had, you know, come up with a name that was unoriginal or has trademarked or something like that that we haven't, you know, they didn't hear about it. It happens all the time here. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, name of the game, man. But, yeah, I would highly recommend getting that trademark sooner than later. Yeah, I need, I want to trademark inside the north side, inside the south side. There's a joke with everybody I meet. You know, they're like, oh, what's the name of your podcast? And I'm like, oh, it's Inside the North Side. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to come up with a podcast called Inside the South Side. <laughs> and I think of the joke as like, oh, well, I already own that. So, yeah, time to pay up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I once had a, a social media channel that when I thought I was going to be an influencer and called In the Loop. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was clever and nobody else did. That is pretty cool, though. I mean, only Houstonians would know, in right. the, you know, within the loop and stuff like that. But you're like, you know, stay in the loop within the loop. I, mean, I thought it was fun. <laughs> Nobody cared. Also, I don't know how to influence. So, <laughs> Well, you kind of do now with these beers. You're kind of yeah. influencing somewhat. I, somewhat, somewhat. But not like the way the kids are doing it these days. <laughs> I cannot keep up, dude. I'm like 28 and like I'm on. T- I'll watch TikTok and, and, uh, and Instagram. And I'm like. How do these kids do this? These, they have so much time on their hands. Uh, they made it into a job. And, I, and they get paid more. <laughs> more than I can ever imagine. But I don't have the good looks to make that happen for me. So I'm just going to stick to my behind-the-desk job. <laughs> hey, I mean, as long as maybe some of these TikTokers drink a beer and show it off, maybe you might... Hey, we're yeah. working on it. We got some influencers. Send them our way, man. We're, we're working on trying to get, get in their presence uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I tried being an influencer. I was like, I mean, my girlfriend, she's like, you know, she has a vlog mm-hmm. and she works with people and she's also a photographer as well. So she's like, I'm an influencer. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're an influencer. How many okay. followers do you have? I have personally, uh, let me check and see because I have to. I have 354. <laughs> On my podcast one, which we'll pretty much check. Um, We're vetting him right now to see if he's going to be an influencer. <laughs> I have... Oh, come on now. Does it want to show? I have uh, 1,609 followers. That's more than me. I, I, I say that's influential. Ooh, you know, maybe. Yeah. And mainly just a lot of podcasters and, and friends and stuff like that. But, hey, but I you mean, you got this podcast, which also, you know, broadcasts out there to the world. So, you know, this is influencing. Somewhat. Oh, what, what, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, man. This is an influencer channel, I think. TikTok, podcast, Facebook, Instagram. It's all, it's all getting the message out there getting your brand out there pretty much that's all i i mean you know with with instagram that's my main thing i'm trying to push out as much content as i can i try to go live you know i try to get special guests like my guest for tomorrow's episode which i pre-recorded uh his name is sivani quintanilla and he is the nephew of selena no kidding yes so and he he's a dj he's a music producer and and all this stuff out of corpus christi Mm -hmm. so i it was pretty awesome that i got the uh, opportunity to to sit down with him virtually and have him on the podcast and talk like that so that's very cool man yeah i mean and i'm just i'm trying to get with all these you know people and stuff like that so is that the closest you've ever been to selena yes yeah yeah 
I've never, that's, that's pretty awesome. Honestly. Yeah. I, I'm pretty excited. You know, he's a very humble guy. He's really just low down to earth. You would think that he would, it would get to his head, you know, when everybody's like, oh, I'm the so-and-so celebrity, so-and-so mm-hmm. it would get to their head, but no, he's, he's a very humble, really nice guy, you know, and his dad too, as well. And stuff like that. They're just very humble people. Very cool. It's surprising to you. Huh? It, it is. Like, you I was know, like, Oh my God, you responded to my Instagram. You know, to be fair, I didn't, I didn't know how this was going to go. Like meeting you, you know, you're such a big influencer and you got this podcast and I always get nervous when I do podcasts, but you made me feel very comfortable today. Well, that's all I try to do. You know, um, whenever I have guests, I try to make them feel as comfortable as they can. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, what can you do this? Hey, what time is good for you? I work with people. I don't want to be, you know, my girlfriend tells me I'm, I'm kind of a push it over sometimes. But no, it's like, hey, look, if I want people to remember me and my podcast. So whenever I'm like, hey, do you want to do the podcast? Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's not like they have a bad experience the yeah. first time, you know, I mean, I'm here to tell you up front. Anybody else that wants to come on and be a guest, uh, I'm doing this again. Whenever you want me back, I'm coming back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're uh, always welcome on the podcast. You know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy this. This was, this was a lot of fun. To, so has this been your first podcast that you've done? It's not my first podcast, the, the, although it's been the easiest. Um, we, I always, I don't ever know what I'm going to get into, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Sometimes I can't answer the questions to the fullest potential or I sound stupid or I just get catch off, got caught off guard. But this one, man, I'm telling you, like, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really easy just to have a back and forth conversation. So props yeah. to this one. Thank I like you. It. I appreciate it. You know, like I said, I just try to make it easy for people. I don't really want to ask hard questions. I don't want to ask difficult questions like, can you tell me, you know, the science behind this and that? And you work at Walmart and some, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate. It doesn't <laughs> go well with each science? other. Of price dropping, uh, I can kind of tell you that I used to work uh, at Target. So. I did too, man. I did too. I uh, I stocked shelves overnight for a year at Target. Oh man, I I I was a cart attendant, and then I went to I was a cashier, mm-hmm. and then I went to customer service, and then ultimately I stayed at uh, Starbucks. I was a, I was a barista for uh, for a, good, a couple years. I, I hear I hear uh, good and bad things about being a barista. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a fun game. It's fun, you know, you get to sit there and make concoctions and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and make, you know, you follow the recipe of how to make certain Starbucks drinks, but you do get those those people once in a while that want like eight frappuccinos and they want them different flavors and they want to add extra things and, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, okay, I want to have a limited amount of time to make these. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bear with me. And then you have, you know, the uh, the sticklers and the, the Karens and stuff like that. Sometimes they're like, oh, this wasn't made right. And it's like, oh, I apologize. And you try to make it right. And it still doesn't satisfy them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed being a barista, but sometimes it can, it can come down to the wire and be very stressful. I hear you, man. No, I mean, it's the same thing about being a bartender. I feel like it's probably cross paths pretty easily. You deal with the customers. They always want difficult things. Well, in our case, it's not so hard because we're just pouring beer. But mm-hmm. you know, you're making cocktails and stuff. I'm sure it's in the same realm, right? Yeah. You make that wrong. I wanted something new. Like, you know, just that that's customer mentality, man. And me, I'm pretty simple. When I go up to the bar, if I go to like Barbarella or anywhere else, I'm like, hey, just give me a Jack and Coke. Yeah. Or, hey, give me a Dos Equis. Right. And it's very simple. I don't want to uh, make them work any harder than they should. It's like, just give me something simple. I like, you know, hey, there you go. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. No, I'd rather do that, too. I don't want anything crazy. I just want something with, like, bourbon or whiskey and 
maybe something to to cut it a little bit. But yeah. Other than that, sometimes I'm just bourbon or whiskey guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not like some people that I do know where they're like, I want uh, an ounce of whiskey with triple sec and this flavor, and, and I'm here. like, come on. He's like, like, dude, we're just here at the bar ordering. Just Go get, get somewhere some. else. <laughs> there's on. certain bars. Um, there's a bar on Main Street. It's very small. I, I forget. It's like it's like the Secret Garden or something like that. I'm I forgot the name. Oh, Main I'm Street sorry. downtown. Yeah, Main it Street is, downtown. It's the Secret Garden. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And I've been in there, and it's a very small place. And I was like, okay, this is where you can order those kind of concoction drinks. They, they pretty much lean into that pretty hard. I feel like they've got a list of like ten cocktails that they only make there, and you're like, here, this is what you get. And then like, but they're all like fifteen ingredients, and they're delicious. There are nothing wrong with them. But you can watch that guy make those things for like. 10 minutes <laughs> like the lines you know all the way the back to the building or the in their case the back of the patio mm-hmm. um but you know you get your drink and it's colorful and beautiful and tastes delicious and i, I can't complain about it but exactly i just wish you know like sometimes like a drink that takes like five seconds to make it's yeah it's just like god there you go pour <laughs> yes sir <laughs> well evan i really appreciate you coming on the podcast you know representing eureka and just sh- having a good time on here like i said i'm very glad that you had a good time and it's very easy for you just comfortable you know no the pleasure is all mine man we really appreciate uh you guys reaching out to us and uh and wanting to do this like we we love attention i'm not gonna lie <laughs> and uh and we love podcasts so it, it's it's fun uh, i'm not a very photogenic or camera friendly person so these things work really well for me exactly i'm the same but uh, i you know i started a youtube channel so I have to be. <laughs> ah, you, put, you dug yourself a hole, buddy. I had so many people just like, when are you going to make a YouTube? When are you going to make a YouTube? So I did. I started this season and it was pretty successful. Um, and then after a while, I just, I got kind of burnt out a little bit. Yeah. You know, when, when you do these things, you're just like, oh man, I'm, I got to take a break. Yeah. So I haven't really been doing videos lately, but I think maybe as soon as next month, I'll start doing it again. Cause next month I take, it's my last uh, a couple episodes for this season and then I take a break. Okay. But then, you know, during the summer I'm going to be doing other episodes with other people for next season. But, you know, uh, I'm going to start doing it video sooner or later. So, but cool. like I said, I got, I had to be video photogenic and stuff like that, you know. I get it, man. I get it. No, I, uh, I have to do a few of those two here and there, but, you know, I rather prefer this. So thank you for, for being here today. Thank you for letting us, uh, kind of take over your podcast and, and no problem. Like I said, appreciate you spending the time here with me. Um, before we go, uh, let our listeners know where they can find your beer, where they can find your social media, and just everything else that they need to know. Sure, man. Uh, beer, uh, still very local. I uh, get it here in Houston, surrounding Houston areas. Now, like I said, Galveston, Gulf Coast area out there as well. Uh, obviously, the tap room, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, bunch of events going on here um, bingos on thursday trivia's on wednesday night beer releases are usually on wednesdays so if you're looking for something new uh wednesdays are going to be your day but you know come visit us anytime um we're always here uh as far as following us on social media pretty much anything at eureka heights uh on facebook instagram twitter i don't think we have a tiktok but i'm sure we'll get one uh so uh yeah look for us on social media you can um catch up with any of our new beer releases that way um, we also have a newsletter too if you'd like to sign up for that you can do that through our website eurekaheights.com um, yeah but other than that just keep up with us find out what fun stuff we're doing uh, beer releases events shenanigans all the good stuff so we're uh, we're always a lively bunch fun bunch and so we, we love to see people come out and see us when you're ready 
Well, like I said, Evan, thank you again for being on the podcast. Shout out to all you guys at Eureka. You guys have been great. Um, as I always say, God bless and peace, guys. This has been Inside the North Side. Check out all my episodes. Leave me an Apple review. And I'll see you guys next time.